giving you your introduction. This be the 101. workplace dramas and uh, uh, a, a newsroom felt like an exciting workplace uh, a one where you could tell a variety of different kinds of stories but the reason why I set the show in the very recent past the reason why it's historical drama is not to show the pros uh, here's how you should have done it uh, a year and a half ago I don't have anything approaching that level of sophistication to do that the reason why I said it in the recent past was because I really like the dynamic that you can have with the audience where the audience knows more than the characters do. Here's what's interesting to me. You said this to David Carr, I think. You said, I don't know anything about ratings, and I've had the ratings to back that up. <laughs> but if I were the president of CNN, I would put the smartest news people I know in a room and ask this question, what would a utopian news show look like? And then I'd ask, what's stopping us from doing that? Mm -hmm. My question, is the newsroom your utopian news show? Uh, you know... No, and, and here's why. I don't know enough to make a utopian news show. I, I have to tell you, there's, there's uh, uh, the difference between writing a show that takes place in a newsroom and doing the news is the same as the difference between drawing a building and building a building, which is to say they're almost unrelated. Yes. You know, I, 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 the thing that I like about the show is that it's so topical. When you look at the news today, the Zimmerman verdict, the Asiana plane crash, waiting for the royal baby... Do you see any of those making its way into onto the season two of the newsroom? Uh, it would be into season three of the That's newsroom. That, yeah. Three. Um, and uh, first of all, no one's asked us to do uh, a third season yet. Uh, <laughs> would you like a third uh, season, Aaron? Of course, who wouldn't? Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, so, so I haven't begun thinking about that. I'm still tinkering with the second season. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode four of the Look and Listen podcast. I am Leonard, and I will be your host this evening. Uh, what you just heard was Aaron Sorkin, who is the creator and writer of HBO's television show, The Newsroom. That was an interview that he did uh, a while ago talking about actually the second season of the show. And um, today on the Look and Listen podcast, we will be discussing the show. Um, this is going to be the first ever one on one 101 episode. Uh, and the reason why I'm calling it 101 is uh, sort of a, a reference to when we were all in college and we took the very first class of a particular subject. So, you know, English 101, math 101, uh, just kind of giving you an introduction into things and, um, you know, really just kicking things off and giving you some of the foundation. Uh, as you heard, there's a different theme song for this one. Uh, it's different than the one that I did for the other Look and Listen podcast episodes that you heard one through three. Um, so that's a little bit about what this is. You'll get the hang of it as we do this one and as we do more of those. But um, anyway, just to uh, get things started, I want to introduce the panel that I have on with me today. Uh, we've got three people. Uh, somebody has something going on in the background. Uh, that might be Sojo. We got Sojo from the... <laughs> we have Sojo from the Whiskey, Wine, and Moonshine podcast. How you doing, Sojo? What's up? All right. Uh, we have also... 
uh, world famous, internationally known, the wound god, a.k.a. Sterling. What's going on, Sterling? Chilling, man. Just having a great day. How about yourself? I'm good, man. I'm good. And last but not least, we have the infamous Spike V88 from Twitter, a.k.a. Victoria. What's going on, V? Hello. Hey, buddy. All right. So everybody's doing good this afternoon? Yeah, yep. good. Cool, cool, cool. So I want to thank everybody. I, I, I talked to the folks before we got the show started, but I wanted to say it while we were recording. I wanted to thank everybody for coming out and being a part of this. Um, so we all. I just played the uh, the the clip from from Sorkin or whatever. Any anybody have any reactions or thoughts about what he said in that particular clip? Um, you can go first. No, I was just gonna say that that was one of the things that I that I heard about Sorkin that he intentionally did the two year gap because uh-huh. he wanted us to know more about the event than the cast, right? So that we would actually be able to see it from a different angle. Um, I listened to to a couple of other podcasts about the newsroom, and one of the hosts said like it was like a liberal's wet dream because <laughs> it showed the news events from an angle that most people kind of wish that they had been covered. Right. So, um, Sterling, you were going to say something. Yeah, for me, I just kind of noticed that um, if you ever see Sorkin in an interview, you can't really trust what he's telling you about the show ah. because she did ask him like, "Are you going to talk about Zimmerman and this and that?" And he's like, "No." maybe in season three, but right. he already, you know, started touching on that already early in season two. I think what happened in that case was that was actually Gail King who was who was asking that question. I think Gail actually kind of messed up with when mm-hmm. she said season two. Um, but you're right. They did actually touch on Trayvon and, and the Zimmerman trial um, yep. in, the, uh, mm-hmm. in the second season. It was really just like a one-episode thing. Uh, v, did you have anything you wanted to say about that? No. I'm just listening right now. Jump in when I feel necessary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um, I actually have another clip um, since Sojo brought up the news events. And this is actually uh, Sorkin talking about uh, the news events and how they're covered on the show. So I'll go ahead and play that, and then we'll go ahead and get into uh, a couple of the topics that I uh, had everybody think about uh, ahead of time. The okay. news events that are covered on the show come second to... Uh, uh, to, to the stories that I'm telling about uh, the characters. Uh, so, generally speaking, sometimes there's a news event where I know, well, like last year with uh, Killing Osama bin Laden, uh, that I knew that there was an episode that I wanted to have, wanted to, have to take place that night. Uh, uh, so sometimes there are news events where, where that'll be how the process starts. Uh, but usually uh, I'll say, okay, do I want the next episode to begin the next day after this episode took place, a week later, a month later, six months later, uh, I'll, I'll make that decision. And then I'll look. There's a room that's completely wallpapered uh, uh, with every possible news event from the last 18 months. Uh, uh, that, that's how the year begins. Uh, and, uh, and I'll look up there and, uh, uh, with, with the staff and, uh, uh, and we'll decide that one uh, uh, would, would be good. For whatever ever reason, either because it was a big news event or sometimes because it was a small one that uh, uh, that no one heard about. But most of the time, uh, uh, because it'll be kind of interesting to have in the background. One of the the, the values uh, for me in setting the show in the recent past and having it be a weird kind of historical drama is that uh, you can have the dynamic where the audience knows more than the characters do uh, at some point. Um, 
Benghazi, uh, uh, for instance, that when they get a news alert uh, that protests have erupted outside the American embassy in, in Cairo, and now another one has erupted outside the American consulate uh, in Benghazi, the audience immediately knows what's about to happen, and the characters don't, and that's an interesting dynamic. So yeah, that's uh, that's him talking about those uh, news events. So we'll just go ahead and get into um, these these few things that I actually wrote down ahead of time to kind of steer our conversation. Uh, the first thing that I that I wanted to know from you all, and I'll also speak on it myself, is um, how you all became aware of the show and actually started watching it. Um, I'm gonna start with Victoria since she's playing double dutch over there. Uh, <laughs> we'll get started with you, so you can tell us your newsroom story, origin story. Then we'll go to uh, Sterling, and then we'll bring Sojo up. Okay. Well, um, are y'all getting feedback from me? No. Okay. Uh, I actually saw it on Twitter. Uh, a couple of my friends kept talking about it, and I decided to kind of give it a you know a shot. So you and a couple other Lynn, a couple other friends I saw on their Twitter friends. Uh, kept talking about how great it was and all this good stuff and how it was such a smart comedy. And, I mean, I'm smart and I'm hilarious, so I thought that... Uh, <laughs> That's debatable, but go ahead. Of course, we're being a little sarcastic. Um, I thought it would be a really good fit. In the first episode, I just fell in love with the show. So what was it about that first episode that really caught your attention? Well, uh, um... I like things that are relevant. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I, I put like this. Um, the same thing that kind of caught my attention about Scandal is the same thing that caught me about Newsroom. That it has this underarching, uh, underlying um, idea of patriotism and how people express how much they love the country or whatever. But it's also, because of that uh, love, it's very critical. Okay. And it's very realistic. And so because it does have real life situations and it deals with real news, I think it just it kind of adds a, some type of value to the shows that some I don't get from other shows, I guess. Cool, cool. That's a, that's a pretty that's a pretty cool answer there. Sterling, what do you have, sir? Um, for me, I was there from the rip, you know what I mean? Uh like, you know, I watch a bunch of the shows on HBO. So, you know, like they'll give you months in advance, like letting you know, hey, this shit's about to come out, you need to watch it. Right. And I saw it was an Aaron Sorkin John, and I know I was I was way too young when the West Wing came out to really get into it, but I knew how Sorkin got down and mm-hmm. like how epic of a TV show he can make it. You know what I mean? Right. So I just wanted to give it a shot, and I think I recorded it, but I didn't actually watch it yet. And my pops like just hit me up. He's like, "Hey, nigga, you need to be watching it." <laughs> Your pops hit you with that, "Hey, nigga." <laughs> hey, nigga. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's from North Jersey. He he was like, you need to be watching that newsroom. I'm like, all right, well, I'll make sure to check it out today. And I've been hooked ever since. That's what's up, man. Um, so yeah, your pops got you into it. That's pretty cool, man. What What was his thing? That What was his hook? Did he ever? Did you ever? You know, talk about that with him? Like how he got into the show? No, nah, same thing. Like he just watched. Like he watches like basically everything that comes on HBO, okay. like series wise. Yeah. So he was probably the same way. Like he saw it. He would just you know. Uh, set it up on the DVR, and then just watched it before me and was like, yo, you need to check this out ASAP. So, yeah. Shout out to Pops, man. Yeah. All right, Sojo, what's your story? Um, Well, I binge watch TV shows, so I wasn't a newsroom fan from the beginning. As a matter of fact, I actually avoided it because I thought it was like The Daily Show, and I was like, "Uh, you know, I watch The Daily Show. I don't need to 
see this. And so one day I think True Blood had gone off. So I just decided to catch that first episode and it, it hooked me. Okay. Um, and I think it was like maybe a couple of weeks before season two started. So I watched all of season one and then waited and watched the majority of season two as the season started wrapping up. Okay. So I'm kind of newsroom overloaded right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I just, I just started probably three weeks ago. Ah, okay. On the first season. So me and my mom, like, committed to watching two episodes per night. Um, I don't know what that says about me and my mother, but... Um, <laughs> We said, definitely committed to watching it, so now we just finished the season. It says y'all like good television. That's what it yeah. says. Yeah, you know what I mean. But like, was okay. So, so Victoria, like, did you introduce your mom to the show, or was it her that told you about now, it? No, like, I introduced it to her okay. because it was just uh, she doesn't watch a lot of TV, right? And she's very, very picky. But I just thought it was it was something about the newsroom that I just felt like she would enjoy, and yeah. she really has. So has it been a a cool experience to to kind of hang out with Mom Dukes and watch the show? Yes, absolutely. Nobody else knows what we're talking about, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. (laughs) See, see, this this is is what I'm talking about, man. You know, we got Sterling and his dad having a bonding experience. I was just about to say, bringing families together. (laughs) Bringing families together. That's, listen, man, Aaron Sorkin, Look and Listen podcast, we're a match made in heaven, baby. This is how we do um, so for myself, um, Soldier, was there anything else that you wanted to say about it? No, uh uh-uh, Okay, cool, okay. Um, so yeah, for me, like, um, I was introduced to the show by a friend of mine, um, I think it was probably about last summer, um, the first season was either over or it was almost over, and a friend of mine had told me, like, you know, you need to check out this show, you know, it was one of the, one of those things, kind of like V was saying, how you hear about something and, you know, everybody is talking about it or whatever. So sometimes you have a curiosity about it. So I was like, yeah, I've heard about this show or whatever. So it was one of those periods where I didn't have much going on at the job and everything. So, you know, with the downtime, I was like, okay, let me let me check it out. And I actually, um, I, I watched the first episode and I thought it was cool, but I just thought like it was kind of chaotic. You know, like it seemed like I was just dropped into the middle of all of this chaos going on in this in this newsroom. And I really didn't understand everything that was happening. I didn't know who the hell these people were, what the fuck they were talking about, none of that. I'm like, you know, can somebody, you know, please tell me what's happening here? So, and then I I, I got kind of tripped up by all the dialogue, but, I, you know, that's that's a Sorkin thing. Yeah. Um, so I was cool on it. I was like, you know, it's pretty good, but I wasn't all the way sold. And I remember actually telling that same friend, I was chit-chatting with her on um, Instant Messenger, and I was like, yeah, the show was cool, but... You know, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, stick with it or not. And um, she actually was like, well, if you think it's too much dialogue or whatever, you might want to skip the second episode. So I actually have a little confession to make. I never saw the second episode of the show. Still haven't seen, uh, you know, season one, episode two. Don't tell anybody, though. It's just between me and the three of y'all. Say what? Judgment. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. I feel the judgment. Um, (laughs) But, um. So, yeah, I skipped that episode, and then um, I ended up, I think, like, maybe a month or more had actually gone by without me watching any more of the show. Because, like I said, I still wasn't sold on it. So maybe, you know, after about a month or whatever it was, something told me to go back to it. So I actually watched the, the third episode, and I liked that one, and then I watched the fourth one. Episode four was actually the one that really got me hooked on the show. 
um, I don't remember all of the details of it, but I think that was the one where they had like it was like a Christmas or a New Year's party or whatever. You got me going back to the episode. Oh yeah, New Year's Eve. Yeah, was it that was they had like a rooftop thing and all of that, and um, I think that was the night that Will met that woman from that tabloid um, yeah. uh, magazine and everything. And I think the thing for me that really got me hooked on this show and on that particular episode was the fact that um that uh that I actually had a chance to see the, 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 the cast as people. Like, before that, it was just like they were all employees of, of, of the newsroom, and, and I didn't really know anything about them on a personal level. I think, like, in episode four, I had a chance to kind of see them um, outside of the office and saw how some of their personal relationships and interactions actually affected the way that they work. Um, so for me, that was what, that, what really got me, and I've, I've been on it ever since then. Then you should have seen episode two. Because that was the one where the breakup text or breakup email or whatever went viral uh, to the whole oh, yeah, company. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was good. That yeah, was that good. was a good episode. You got to go back and see that one. Are you talking about um Don and Maggie? No, yeah. it was Will Wait. and Oh, Will, okay. Will, 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 Will and McKenzie. Okay, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. And it was cool. the what the reason I think the fact that she cheated on him right mm-hmm. that went out to everybody. Yeah. yeah, she didn't know about the CCBCC on emails, exactly. and everybody got it. And she tried to collect everybody's cell phone and yes. destroy it. <laughs> it, so, it yeah, was you good. gotta go back and check out check out. I'll do that. I'll do that. Um, all right. So since we mentioned Will and Mackenzie, um, the next thing that I did want to discuss was characters. Um, the first one that I wanted to know was. Um, your favorite characters or, you know, it could be one person or, or multiple people. Who are the folks that you all like the most on the show? We'll start off with Sojo, then go to Sterling and then V. Um, I think my favorite character, I mean, I guess this, this seems cliche, but it's Will. Yeah. Uh, you know, I liked him from that very first episode because, you know, he, he came across as this untouchable asshole or whatever. Yeah. But he was going through this crisis of conscience, especially since Mackenzie came back into his life. Um, I forgot you had asked a question about uh, what hooked us on the show, and it was actually the fact that he was a conservative that was pissed off with his party, right. because he's not afraid to say, you know what, I'm, you know, I'm a Republican, mm-hmm. but this Tea Party bullshit is not, you know, what my party is it's supposed to thing. be like. So right. he's more like the anti-Hannity. Right, right. Um, so yeah, that's why he's my favorite. Okay. Anybody else on your on your list of favorites, or is he the only one? Uh, you know who else I started? I really start. Well, I like Neil because he's like your little brother that's always getting into shit. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Neil. Yeah, man. But I really like Don. Like he started off as you know this pompous asshole, yes, but yes, he's yes. become a team player. Yeah, I, I have some comments on Don myself. Um, yeah. So yeah, so, uh, Sterling, who who are your list of folks that you enjoy on the show? Well, it'll be the same for me. Like. Number one is Will, like, off the top. Um, are you getting any echo for me? Nah, you sound good on my Okay, head. okay, just making sure. Yeah, like, for me, I love kind of like the same thing where he's conservative, but nobody really knew that he was. Right. Because of how he speaks and acts, and that kind of, like, I see myself in that, where people automatically think, because I'm something, because I have A, B, and C views, that I'm also aligned with this train of thought. Right. When I don't, when I like seeing that just in a person on television where, you know, he's being objective, but in real life he's something, you know, he feels a different way. Right. And 
my second has to be Sloan Sabbath off the bat. Yes, sir. <laughs> I love I love a smart woman, and yes, I've had a crush on Olivia Munn for like five years now, so <laughs> I'm all here for it. It's been a what lot. else has she been in? Uh, she was uh, had a really really small part in um uh, uh, Iron Man two. Oh yeah I yeah think. yeah. Um, I heard she was in Magic Mike. I ain't seen that obviously. <laughs> actually, actually, I sent you that clip. Well, you no, remember? I've seen that clip. That clip, yeah. That clip. And that's all I've seen of it, too. But yeah, that clip where she had a... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, but um, her biggest thing was she used to host a um, daily sh- uh, show on the uh, tech network, G4, called Attack of the Show. Sterling, are you cutting your hair again, man? No, nah, were you getting that feedback? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm bald, but I'm cutting my hair. You know how I do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like she used to host a show, um, like Monday through Friday on G4 with somebody else called the Tack of the Show. Basically, right. it was like the origin of all those shows you see now, like um, Websuit, Tosh.0, that show on uh, MTV, whatever it is. Like you know, just talking about everything that happened on the internet that day before. Ah. I was trying to figure out where I knew her from. Yeah, that's where she really got her start. Like, even with Iron Man. Like, the dude that made Iron Man went to the show because they were the first people to really, like, talk about Comic-Con before it was cool to talk about. And he met her there. She's like, you need to be... He was like, you know, you need to be in my movie. And that's kind of, like, where she propelled up from. Okay. Yeah, that's what's up, man. Like, I I remember seeing her. I didn't didn't really watch Attack of the Show, but I remember Mm -hmm. flipping by that show before and, and seeing her and... I knew her name, so when I actually saw her um, on the newsroom, I was like, "Oh, that's that. Oh, that's Shorty right there." Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, anybody else for you, Sterling? Nah. Nope. Okay. V Diddy, who you got? Um, my favorite character would be Sloane. Right. Just because she is so socially inept, um, and she's just she's a good kind of weird, and I really appreciate a weird mm-hmm. girl. Um, but that's a good I, description. It really is. Yeah, she's just she's just a good kind of weird, and I really do like the um, kind of building attraction relationship between her and Don. Mm-hmm. I think they're both weird in a good way. Um, other than that, I probably my my other favorite character, even though he gets on my nerves, would probably be Jim, just oh, okay, because Jim. he's he tries to do the right thing all of the time. Mm-hmm. Which usually means he messes up a lot. Right. But I really do think that he just he tries to be the best guy he can be. Um, I typically don't care for main characters, and this is kind of the same thing with uh, this show. I like Will. I like Mackenzie. I like the entire cast. But Will and Mackenzie really piss me off way more than they should. And so, <laughs> <laughs> like, I just. Will's cool, but he's that he's a typical alpha male who's really insecure about everything. Um, so he says, but I do like the fact that he goes to bat for everybody, and I like that. I like that dynamic that it is a family type of deal. Yeah. So everybody kind of covers for everybody else's ass. But um, him and McKenzie are just too weird for me to just. I, they just piss me off way too much. Um, <laughs> I don't like them as a couple. Yeah, really? No. <laughs> I think they. I think they do very. Well. I don't. I don't know. I've never seen them as a couple. Well, uh, I, I've seen... I guess that season finale, like that kiss, it was so yeah. awkward. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. 
Yeah, I think they're great friends. I think they make a great team. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure something's going to happen and they're not going to be able to be together. That's yeah, what I, I was think thinking. They have a great a great team chemistry, but the romantic part of it, I'm not I I just don't quite buy. I don't know why. Maybe it's I don't know. That yeah. kiss just it was I, it was more gross than anything. I agree with that. Like it doesn't I mean, maybe because we haven't seen it yeah. on the show so much, but it's kinda hard to sort of think ahead to next season and beyond that and see those two people in a loving relationship with each other. I mean, they work together great. What you yeah, said? It would, it would take something away from the show if they got along. I, yeah, you know what? Said too That's a good that point. In the filming, that was the first time that they ever been in each other's personal space, and I didn't realize that until going back and looking at it. You never really—I mean, they're in scenes together, they're right. talking, they're this, they're that, but they're not in each other's personal space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And and actually, I, now that you say that, I, I I can see that. Yeah, I haven't they haven't seen them in each other's personal space like that. Um, mm-hmm. V, any more, any more characters that you like? That I like? Um, I do, I agree with Sandra. I do like uh, Neil. Um, and I, I, I really want to see him. I think in season, I, I'm, I'm kind of a person who tries to predict stuff. But I would really like to see kind of his full um, story kind of come out, you know? Like, yeah. Because I, I feel like they keep, they, they're egging something on. They give him a couple more lines each you know, episode, mm-hmm. I really like to see him develop. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you, you can kind of see something with him. Like, there's probably a lot more to him than meets the mm-hmm. eye right now. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, for myself, I will follow Sojo in Sterling's lead and, and say Will, first and foremost, mm-hmm. uh, is one of the characters that I enjoy. Um, I've got a couple clips about uh, Jeff Daniels and, and Sorkin talking about Will um, that I could play, but I just talk about it right now um will is 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 definitely um one of the characters i like like someone mentioned he is he is an asshole but he he seems to be a person who has principles though he seems like someone who despite um you know his political beliefs and 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 certain things that he might you know really be i'm getting some feedback from somebody man um some static or something like that i hear it yeah I hear it, but I'm not sure where the, where it's coming from. Does anybody know who that's coming from? Uh, hang up on me and see what happens. All right. I'm gonna mute myself and see if it's me. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's me. Was it me? I think it was Sterling. Okay. Nope. Cause you know that rain was starting, so I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. sure. Let me see if I can um bring him back Sterling and those Clippers yeah man <laughs> these bald dudes they going crazy he's podcast live from the barbershop <laughs> right. Sterling you there yeah I believe so alright man so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was it got way worse when I hung up like it sounded like I was in a hailstorm or something yeah man it sounded like you were in coming to America and they talking about soup and Muhammad Ali and all of that <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so so yeah back to what i was saying though um yeah i think will is um like i said he's an asshole but he's a principled asshole and uh i will play these quick joints about him and then talk about the other folks that i like and we will move on from there so here is sorkin talking about will and then next will be jeff daniels who played will talking about news anchors in general and then the, a little bit about the character uh, will mcavoy first of all is a 
real, and, and he's not based on uh, anyone real. It's a product of my imagination. Oh, shit. Hold up. Is that a part of the clip? Yeah, it was. <laughs> right. Don't, don't judge me, damn it. <laughs> All y'all go to hell. It's in that part, actually. Heard it. <laughs> Now we will go to this other clip. All y'all go to hell. It was interesting in, in <laughs> the news desk because that one of the first good. things I had to pull off was looking mm-hmm. like I'd been behind a news desk for 20 years or so, you know. And um, it's a performance of sorts. It's you rise up and you look down the barrel of that lens and you explain to people what they need to know. And they're coming to you. So it becomes this almost like you're on stage giving them what they want, talking directly to that one person who happens to be 10 million people or whatever. But that, that I found pretty early and that, that, that really felt right. It's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's like lights action and then will goes. It becomes will with capital letters. So, so yeah, um, that's uh, Jeff Daniels again, who plays the character Will on the show. Uh, other people that I like, uh, include Mackenzie. I, I kind of like Mackenzie. Um, she she i think is really the only person that can challenge will yeah um, yeah you know, she's he, just conscious yeah he he won't take shit from anybody else and that actually might be why they would work that could be a reason yeah. why they would work as a couple because yeah. they they might be able to sort of balance each other out um mm-hmm. another person i like is charlie nobody mentioned charlie i love charlie oh now you love charlie now you love charlie <laughs> Go ahead. My dude, he just ain't my favorite. Okay, uh, v- says my dude since Law and Order. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Char- I like Charlie because you know he's he's the boss. He's like the their their you know supervisor, the the head of the newsroom, I guess. But um, he seems like a cool guy, and, and like someone said earlier, he will go to bat for his people. And um, he's also pretty quirky. You know, we mentioned mm-hmm. Sloan's quirkiness and everything. Like some of his scenes in, in late in season two with, with Leona, who's, uh, I, I believe, played by Jane Fonda. Yeah. Uh, like their stuff together is pretty damn funny, man. Um, so I like Charlie and his quirkiness and, and how he definitely sticks up for his people. Um, like Sterling said, man, um, Sloan is definitely a favorite. Uh, I, I, I also love uh, smart women. Um, and, and she's somebody who can, you know, stand up for herself. Like, um, as the series has progressed from season one to season two, it's kind of like, I guess what we were talking about when it comes to Neil, like where you saw maybe like there could be more to this character, but you just didn't really get a lot of her from the beginning. Then like as, as things went along, then you started getting a little bit more and more of Sloan. So I really like how they've brought her along and, um, you know, her, her scenes and her dialogue are great. Um, and I'll say like the last person that I had on my list of people that I like is actually Don. Uh, I think it was Sojo that said earlier, like he was an asshole when he's, when he first started out. And, and actually one of the people that I have on my other list of folks that I don't really like is the reason why I thought Don was such a dick. Uh, Maggie, like his relationship with Maggie. I was like, I thought Maggie was was really cool and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm like, this dude is a dirtbag, man. He's doing this lady wrong and all this kind of stuff. And I just thought he was sort of a shady character. And also, um, you know, Victoria mentioned um, Jim. I thought just sort of the dynamic between um, uh, Don, 
uh, Maggie and Jim was kind of just, it just he seemed like a shady type dude. But as we've gone along uh, in the, in these episodes, man, I really like Don, and um, I really enjoy his character now. Like, he cracks me up. Like, I see Don on the show now, and I'm like, yo, that's my dude right there, man. Right. So he, I look he, forward to him. Exactly. So I've done a 180 on Don, man, definitely. Um, well, so, let me, go ahead. Let me correct you. Don is still an ass. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, he is. He's a right exactly exactly oh, that's a good point he's playing for our team so that's why i'm okay with i like but just i like assholes as long as yeah. you are an honest asshole right you know yeah. you're not you, you're you're upfront about the fact that you're an ass which exactly. he is um but you're right i think i like him because he he is on our team i'm not sure if he was for somebody else how i would quite feel about him yeah great point yeah. great point yeah yeah it's, it's there is a difference between the douchebags and assholes that you like and the ones that you don't like that are playing for the other side. Like uh, Reese. Reese is oh, an asshole yeah. who I don't like. Oh man. Yeah. Him and his mama. So matter of fact <laughs> matter of fact matter of fact, Victoria, since you brought up Reese, let's go ahead and talk about the folks that we don't like. Talk about that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Reese is a fucking asshole and I really God, I really hate him, and I know that you have to have an antagonist, but they did a really good job. You cannot, up until the last episode, you really can't like him. Right. And mm-hmm. even then, Charlie wouldn't let him have that. Right. <laughs> and, so, and I was so and I was so glad Charlie didn't let him have that moment. Yeah, it was just like it's, and I don't, I actually like the mom. I like Leona. I think that she's a biz. I like a businesswoman. So. She's about her money. Yeah. And they were doing some shit. You know, they got a little bit crazy. You know, and she'll tell her ass, hey, I'll shut this shit down. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mess with it. I like it. But uh, as far as other people I don't like, you know, Maggie, Maggie used to be one of my faves. I thought she's so innocent and so yeah. nice. Yes. And she's kind of a bitch. And I feel <laughs> bad for her because they made her look like shit with that ugly ass haircut. Oh, <laughs> man. Man. <laughs> Man, talk about it. Go ahead and tell the folks what, what happened, V. Go ahead. For the folks that haven't seen the show, go ahead and talk about it. Okay, well, Maggie and um, Maggie and Don, from, from the beginning, Maggie and Don are together. They break up every now and then because both of them are douchebags for one more out than the other. Right. And um, finally, Maggie decides to run away from her problem. She goes to Africa because, you know, that's where everybody runs to go <laughs> with their problems. <laughs> and um, she uh, gets this little black kid shot. That's just the gist of it. <laughs> These damn white women. <laughs> See that? Um, see that, brothers? See that? All the brothers out there listening? See that? Dealing with that blind. <laughs> <laughs> you might catch so, a bullet. Go ahead. Comes back and things aren't the same because that's what happens when you kill children. And she's <laughs> sad, and her best friend won't be her best friend anymore. So she just looks a hot ass mess. She cut her hair off and right. uh, dyed it red and stopped wearing makeup and started 
dressing like Lara Croft the Tomb Raider. Hilarious. And it just, it's gotten a little bit weird, but in the last episode, you do see some type of reconciliation between her and her former best friend. Right. And um, Jim, Jim still cares a lot about her. Yeah. Uh, but Jim is bullshitting with Lisa. He doesn't want that girl. And I really wish he'd let that shit go. Is that her name? Her name is Lisa, right? The roommate's name is Lisa. Lisa. Um, yeah, like he doesn't. He's not. He doesn't really want to be with her. Well, I thought but, he wasn't. He wasn't he trying to get with the other young lady? The with the the girl that's still in the Romney campaign right now. Yeah. Right. With her, but then if, if there's something, why why didn't Lisa want him to see her? I was confused about that because she realized after she saw the video that he was on like he was only with her because that was his second place. Uh, like, with Maggie, so when she realized she was kind of like just the silver medal, she was like, "I just want you to get the fuck away from me." But so that so that was the whole thing because I I was confused. I was wondering if I had missed something in the episode for the reason why she just like she wanted to stay hidden in that party. I didn't understand. Well, yeah, she just didn't want to see them. Like she was in the same building and she didn't. She doesn't like either of them. She has to live with Maggie even though she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to see Jim, so she just didn't want anybody to know she was in that building that night. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and that makes sense. for those who will hear this and don't know exactly what we're talking about, Jim and uh, Jim had sort of a crush on the character Maggie that we've been talking about. Maggie's roommate was a woman named Lisa. Lisa and Jim were kind of put together sort of, I guess, like a blind date type situation. And I guess Lisa really liked Jim, but he was still caught up on Maggie. And, you know, it kind of came out. I yeah, th- I, yeah, he, he was. was. Lisa. Huh? Let's, he was fucking Lisa. Like, as know, listen, as mom, mom was on Maggie. Right, as as <laughs> as as Rod from the Black Guy Who Tips podcast <laughs> has said many times, your dick is not your friend, <laughs> and Jim's dick like Lisa, but his heart and his mind were all up on some Maggie. That's what was going on in that situation. I <laughs> So it was, you know, it was. It's Which a, is probably why Lisa didn't want to see him. She, she right, knew that. Right. Yeah, she, she, I, I forgot what episode it was, but there was an episode where he runs to go see Maggie. But remember, Maggie and Lisa live together. Right. Oh, yeah. And he mm-hmm. runs to go see Maggie, but Lisa answers the door. And he's like, yeah. oh, hey. He was like, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. He was like, oh, it's you. And that's yeah. That's kind of what really starts everything. Like, she realized, like, you didn't come here to see me that night. Right. right. I'm You're a piece of shit. Exactly. Yeah. Right. right. Yep. Exactly. She was like, you like that little skinny thing over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So, um, uh, yeah, so V, who else is on your shit list? Um, that's pretty much it. So, I don't think I have anybody else on my shit list. Sometimes Will gets on my shit list mm. just because I wish he, you know, grow some balls sometimes. Not be so. I mean, on on camera, he's you know this ballsy guy, but right. behind the camera, he's really hoping everybody likes him. And uh, I don't care for that. Nah, I gotta disagree with that. That, oh, episode, that episode where uh, Neil got locked up on the Occupy Wall Street. Yeah. And he walked into the NYPD and read yeah. that dude yeah. with all the white privilege he ever had in his oh, life. Oh man! Oh, all that like, white that privilege was, was amazing. <laughs> That was some good privilege. In that episode, because I'm thinking that as me, like, nigga, you gonna get shot. Right. Yeah, he is a white man. He good out here. He's like, go ahead, proceed. Yeah, that was that was some great white privilege right there. That Mm -hmm. I I 
I almost felt like I had some. I was emboldened that much. I thought I could go out there and talk that type of shit to somebody after seeing that, man. Um, Go ahead. No, that's all I have. Yeah. All right, so Sterling, who are your folks that you don't really care for so much? Easy. That's Maggie and Jim. (laughs) Oh, God. Maggie is such a cunt. I hate her. Like, like, with like a, the passion of a thousand sons, like mm. she wants everything but doesn't want to give up anything. Mm. And then, like you know, that was said. Like she got that kid shot. I don't like no matter which way you look at it, she used that kid as a bulletproof vest. She put him on her back. You know what exactly. she? You, you know what Sterling? You know what she did? I tell you what she did, man. She did that Nino Brown joint, man. Y'all remember in, in, in yep. New Jack City where he used that little... She just did it on a subtle slide to like, oh, don't shoot me, but I hit shoot this kid. Yeah, like, they, were shoot, they were shooting out and she's running away from the bullets. Yeah. And she wants to save the kid, but puts the kid between her and the bullets. Right. Like, you a bitch. <laughs> the kid got shot and you sad now. Who puts the child on their back when bullets are flying? I don't... Exactly. <laughs> See? If, she, if she really wanted to save the kid, she would have held, you know, held her to her chest. Yeah, she she a little asshole, and the same thing. Like you know, she knew she had these feelings for Jim, and she hooked her friend up with her anyway, even though she knew that she really wanted him. Right. Which is a, a fucked up thing to do, no matter you know what the dynamic is. Like you know this dude likes you, you like this dude, but here you can have my best friend. Like that that fucked up. She's an asshole, and Jim, I can't stand him because he's just a dude that wants to help everybody. Yeah, and doesn't understand that he needs to look after himself sometimes. Like he tried to make everybody happy in that Maggie and Lisa situation, and he should have been like, "Nah, like you're not for me. I respect you, but I can't like be in a relationship with you. I want Maggie." He should have done that, and he didn't. And I was like a dickhead. Yeah, I think that's a good point because it seems like he was. I guess his intentions were good, but yeah. he still ended up sort of hurting both of them. Or uh, definitely hurt Lisa. I don't know how much he might have hurt Maggie, but. He definitely hurt Lisa in the process, and I don't think that was what he wanted to do. But I guess by him not being honest with her, that you know, one of the consequences of that was that she ended up being hurt, and and you know, it actually in some ways, sort of, you know, hurt Maggie and Lisa's friendship. You know, they, they had their own issues, I guess. But the gym thing, I guess, was maybe you know the final straw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that's a great point. So, Joe, uh, what's your list? Um, I, I don't list, dislike Jim. I don't dislike Reese. Maggie, I, I can't stand her. She is the Allie McBeal, Meredith Gray, Piper <laughs> Chapman, just the same, you know, that same whole white woman who has issues that really aren't issues. Right. But, you're, but she's supposed to be painted like her shit's just so, you know, so tragic. Like, that's who she is. And... Mm-hmm. And, I mean, yeah, she did get that kid killed. Who puts a child on their back running from bullets? Like, I, <laughs> I can't get over that. But, yeah. yeah, it's just that, she, you know, she's painted like that. Like, all of those characters are painted like that. All those tragic, you know, privileged white girls that, that, you know, something bad happens to them. And so all of a sudden they melt down and you're supposed to feel sorry for them. I just don't. I don't for her. So, yeah. I feel you on that one. Is, is she the only person? Yeah, she's the only one. <laughs> the only person. <laughs> that every time she comes, like, even when she walked, even when she walked back in, like that first episode that she walked in looking like the girl with the dragon tattoo, I was like, man, I don't even give a fuck what happened to you. 
I can see you now. You were sitting at home and you saw her. You was like, this bitch. Judgment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and, 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 you know, put another knife in uh, Maggie's back and say, yeah, I, I don't like her ass either. Um, you know, for a lot of the same reasons that everybody said, you know, she's a child killer. Uh, she she definitely has that woe is me type of attitude. And it's, it's like I said, when I was talking about Don earlier, I did a one eighty on him. I definitely have done one on her. Um, I didn't like him and I liked her in the beginning, but now it's the total opposite um, for a lot of the reasons that everybody else says. So there's really no no reason for me to like restate those things. I also don't like Reese, as uh, Victoria mentioned earlier. Reese is definitely uh, an asshole. We talked about how Will is one and Don is one or whatever, but they play for our team. Well, Reese is on the other team and fuck his team. You know what I'm saying? So him and his punk ass mother, they both, you know, they were like, you know, she didn't grow on you. She well, yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I'll but say. I was drunk and high or whatever else. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll say. I'll say with Leona, um, she grew on me the last couple episodes. That yeah, that last monologue she had. The, yeah, that stuff was so great. Like the scenes with her and Charlie, and the 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 part. Um, I'll I'll play a clip of of uh, why this happened or whatever. But in season two, there was um a big story called Genoa, which they reported and they were actually wrong about. They got some bad information and it really threatened the integrity of, of the network that they work for, which is called ACN um, and the particular show that they work on or whatever. And, you know, the integrity of the show and, and how believable they were was really in danger because of them misreporting the information on Genoa. Well, there was a part late in the season where, that um like Charlie who I said earlier was is the uh the main boss Will who was the the lead anchor of the newsroom program and then Mackenzie who was like his executive producer slash you know now fiance as we saw in the last episode um they were offering their resignation to Leona who is the um I don't know if she's the the what her is she the president of the network? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so yeah, she's the network president. And her son, who we've talked about, is Reese, which he's like right up on her, maybe vouch- Huh? You said Reese with judgment. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. All all types of judgment, man. Like if, if I saw him if I saw him on the street right now, I might run up on him. Uh, <laughs> he and he and uh the kid that played joffrey on uh game of thrones but that's a whole oh, nother God, that's yeah, a whole nother, a whole we'll, nother. We'll, we'll have to we might have to do a game of thrones one but we'll, we'll talk about that another time um so yeah they they were trying to offer their resignation to leona as i guess a way of sort of just saving themselves in the network from any more drama and, and they were actually trying to promote characters like Don and Jim to the positions that they were willing to vacate. Well, in the second to last episode of this second season, Leona was like, no, I'm not going to let you guys resign. And they kept fighting her for it or whatever. So there were some scenes where, you know, she was arguing with them and she was drunk and high from like just partying, you know, living that executive lifestyle and everything. And there was some really great dialogue and some really funny moments that she had with these people. Um, and in those two episodes, that one and the one that followed it, which was the, f- the finale, I actually started to kind of like Leona. And, and as someone mentioned earlier, there was that one moment where um, Charlie was talking to Reese. Like, Reese was given the power to make the final decision 
about whether or not these folks could actually resign. His mother had given him that power and he was going to come in and, and actually do something good. He was so excited. Did y'all see how excited he was when he, he came in there? Like <laughs> yeah, he was like, man, I can't wait to get in here and say this shit. And he I'm was gonna right, yeah, I'm going to do something right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He came in there all like scrappy dude, like Sojo said, and, and he was going to say, look, I'm not going to allow you guys to resign. And Charlie just pulled the rug right from underneath his feet and said, we're not offering our damn resignation anyway. <laughs> and he was so hurt by that. He was like, the look on his face was classic. He was like, Let's let the record show that I did the right thing. Like <laughs> he was like, like fuck state that I did say. Yeah, he was like, could, yeah, he was like, look, I'm saying I got you. Like, listen, man, I do the wrong thing all the motherfucking time. Y'all gotta give me this damn chance to say I did the right shit this time, and they was like, nope, fuck that. <laughs> so that was greatness. Um, so Reese, Leona, Maggie, that's really my list, man. Um, oh, I had a couple small characters. They they weren't major characters. And I'm sure you guys might have some issue with them. The Occupy Wall Street lady, I couldn't stand oh, yeah. her. And yeah. then um, the woman that was from the Romney campaign that kept giving Jim a bunch of shit when he was on the bus covering the Romney campaign. And then she was actually there for election night. They had small roles. They were only on a few episodes. But I couldn't stand either of those ladies. How did how did you all feel about, about those two? Um, I liked... Oh, go ahead. You can go. You can go. Go ahead, Sojo. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I liked the Romney campaign one in the end because she sort of kind of, you know, like I think when they were talking about the resignations and she had heard about it and she was planning on scooping up some of the people, mm-hmm. you know, she was actually talking to Will about it. So she was, you know, she became likable after she got fired. Right. Um, the Occupy Wall Street girl, I think that she was representative of the Occupy Wall Street movement. It was like a, a bunch of ideas with no real execution but just full of of confidence that this is what's supposed to happen and this is how so i think her character was deliberately written that way for us to to look at her like girl if you don't go sit down somewhere and get yourself together right you know um but so i didn't dislike her she was annoying but i guess i just didn't dislike her like i do maggie okay uh victoria did you have anything to say about her um i think she was doing her job right and so, I mean, her job is to be an ass, and she was doing a very great job. <laughs> yeah, that's what's up. Uh, Sterling, you were going to say something? Yeah, um, the woman that worked for the Romney campaign, I liked her character, especially after she got fired, because it was evident, like, she was just doing her job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this was her job, this was her paycheck, and as soon as she got fired, she was like, look, I know the nigga's stupid, but I didn't take your paycheck. <laughs> right. You can't blame right. me for that. Like, he said he don't want to talk to your ass. I can't make him talk to your ass. Stop. Yeah. But yeah, the Occupy Wall Street girl, like, I hated her, but I also hate the whole Occupy Wall Street movement. Right. So seeing her, like, as the leader made, like, it was, to me, what they are. Like, right. just, just fix our problems, but we really don't want to do shit. Don't pepper spray us because we some bitch-ass niggas. Like, right. no. Oh come on! <laughs> what? But that's but I, but you're right. I mean, I think she. I think they wrote her character that way. Exactly. Like that's what it is. Like, and that's the same kind of thing they showed on the TV show. Like, you know, they were all down for the protest, but when the pepper spray came out, like enough is enough. Like, nigga, please. That's not how you get a revolution done. Sit your ass. Oh. About that revolution. Sterling, you started breaking up a little bit. Uh, restate that last thing for me, please. Oh, all right. You can hear me now. Yeah, I got you. I was basically saying, like, 
it's kind of like what they showed, like, in the show. Like, you know, they were all about, you know, protesting and getting that revolution until the pepper spray came out. Right. And, like, if, if that's what you're about, just sit your ass down and send them tweets out because you <laughs> <are> <laughs> Tweet through it. You Tweet through it. Like, you're not about to get the revolution done. Like, like come on. Like, Occupy Wall Street is still, like, tech, or the Occupy movement is still technically around, right? Like, you hear about them here and there. Them niggas been around three years, ain't done jack shit. Niggas in Syria got mad and, like, we ready to die for this shit. And they got it done. Like, oh. if, you, if, if pepper spray is your I'm out, if that's your red line is pepper spray, <laughs> you a bitch, go sit at home and get me YouTube comments. You ain't about that revolution line. But it was before that, like, even just articulating their ideas, the fact that she, when she got on against Will and she really right. could not articulate what they were about, who was doing what, you know, what their whole purpose yeah. was, I think that that was just, like, the, the spotlight of the problems that people had with them and the reason that the media really, you know, didn't take them seriously at first. Right. So, exactly. But yeah. then I think really her character was written that way for us to look at her like, girl... <laughs> Yeah, and, and I, to, to that point, um, I think that th- when she did that, that was a clear example, like you said, of, of the way that the movement was. Like, they actually had no structure. It seemed like they were just people who were out there probably with good intentions. They wanted to make a change, but they really didn't have any leadership. Because I remember there was a part where they would, like, Neil was trying to get them a spot on the show. And, you know, they were basically like, well, who's the leader? And she was like, they were like, well, we don't actually have a leader. We're, you know, we're all the leader of this thing. He was like, no, but we can't have all of y'all on the fucking show. We need mm-hmm. someone to represent you all. And this particular woman, I guess, was was either chosen or she, you know, was self-appointed to be the person to go. On. And I actually think that she probably had some bigger goals, personal goals for herself, um, you know, outside of the movement. I, I guess, you know, maybe she was there could have been something with her where she was trying to use that as a platform to, you know, get her, her own name and face out there. But when she got on that set and Will just, you know, dissected her ass in, in the entire movement, you know, it was funny to see that crumble right there in front of everyone's eyes. But the thing that really got me was that after that happened, then she got upset and she wanted a fucking apology. Mm-hmm. Like, you came up there unprepared and and someone challenged you on that and asked you really relevant questions not even really hardball shit i mean maybe i guess the way that he said it was pretty hardcore and all of that and you know you're under the pressure of of the bright lights of the studio um Mm -hmm. but these are really actually relevant questions like i didn't actually have i don't remember the questions that he asked but he was asking things that the average person would probably sit at home watching that if they were actually watching his program the things that you and I might have wondered, you know, or the things that we actually wondered in real life when we started seeing the Occupy Wall Street movement happening or whatever. And she had no answer for it. And, right. and then she threw a fucking tantrum or whatever. And, and it actually came down to him going to the, the school. I guess she was a, a teacher at a college. And he actually sort of gave her, you know, Will's version of an apology. Um, yeah, that was after everybody else. Right. It, yeah, because it was, right, it wasn't good enough that everybody else had apologized to well, her. Because everybody she, else was like, obviously, Will's an asshole. Right, love you, patched this up, and then when you got to see her, everybody's <laughs> yeah. like, hold on, she's fucking insufferable. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Everybody about her like we feel about Maggie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, do y'all remember when um when they sent out the different groups of people 
and um, Sloane went out there. I forget who she was with, but she was with someone else. Yeah. Might have been uh, Jim. Neil. Oh, Neil. Okay, yeah. So Sloane and Neil went out, and they uh, to for the folks who who will listen to this later, they were at like a it looked like a park, right? They were out at like a mm-hmm. you know some tables yeah. out of the park or something like that, and they, they finally got the lady to to meet with them and everything. And Neil was the person, sort of like her contact person to the news network anyway. He, the reason that he was her contact was because he actually had done a couple protests um, with them or whatever. As Sterling said earlier, he actually got arrested with the Occupy Movement people and Will was, was the person that got him out of jail. So they went down there and they were talking to the lady and everything. And she was just being, she was being a douchebag herself. And Sloan in her quirky Sloan way, you know, just totally destroyed this woman's whole existence <laughs> it was so beautiful i i think i might have stood uh, stood in here and clapped it was so great i was like oh my god always so emotionalist when she does it yes <laughs> which which i think is is definitely something that a lot of people aren't used to especially when it comes to a woman being that way i think a lot of people have the expectation that women are going to be emotional with the things that they say and do and she's so emotional she's almost like a robot in certain ways when it comes to how she interacts with people and how she does her thing. So it was it was just it was it's a, like Victoria said, she's a good type weird. Exactly. Exactly. She definitely is, man. So though that was my list. Um I'm glad we actually got a chance to talk about that. Um we'll move on to uh character pairings and then there's just a couple other things and, and we can go ahead and end this thing. I think it's been a, a great conversation so far though. Um so the next thing that I wanted to to discuss with you all is um the characters, like, who are the, the characters that you like seeing interact with each other the most? You know, whether it be one or two people or, or even, you know, a larger group of folks. Like, who do you really enjoy when these people are on screen together interacting? Um, I'll start with you, Sterling. Um, for, like, just a person to person, it's going to be uh, Neil to Maggie. Okay. Because I like that he sees shit before. Like, you know, he's always just kind of there at the bottom, like, Hey, this might be something you need to check it out. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that, like him just trying to drill in, like, no, look, we need to talk about this. You know what I mean? And like over everybody, it has to be Don. Like Don is just my, like he's my favorite asshole on the show. Yeah. Because he's like, just like, this is me, but I get my job done. So when he gets to go out, you know, if he's going out in the newsroom or in public, like I think when he went with Sloan to go deal with the dude that leaked her news. Oh, man. Like, just perfect. Like, <laughs> he's he's a champion among people. Definitely a champion. I like that. <laughs> a champion among people. That's what's up. Uh, is that it for you? Yeah. Okay, Victoria. Who was your list? Um. Well, I guess a pair means two. So uh, it doesn't have to be two. It could be. It could be more. I'm just saying. Like I actually like the dynamic of when they do the rundown in the room. Okay. I just think it's it, when everybody's sitting there. I think that's the best. I I just feel like it's the best scenes ever. It has kind of the because uh, everybody gets to explain why they feel like their news is most important. Yes. And so um, I just really kind of appreciate everybody kind of going in for what they feel 
is the thing to report. But as far as my pairing, the funniest scenes, the best pairs of the relationship I think is the funniest is Charlie and Sloan. Because they're both weird as shit. Yeah. And they really think <laughs> and they can't they cannot get along. And the way he never called her by her name, it just I I it's so laughable to me. So I guess I kinda I kinda like that. But I, I, I gotta say I do like when Mackenzie gets in real shit. Just yeah. because it it reminds me of me. So I really appreciate her like not taking shit off of him and mm-hmm. like telling him what it is. So I, I do I do enjoy their banter. Definitely. So so Joe. Um, I like I like seeing the development of the relationship between Sloane and Don. Yes. Because I think when they finally do get it together, they're gonna be, you know, a really good good pair to watch. And then yeah. just just kneel with everybody. Like he's just like Slum Dog Millionaire. I mean he's He's always whoever he's paired with. I like seeing him interact with. He's that kind of of actor, I guess, where he kind of you know just makes every scene funny and you know thought provoking or whatever. Yeah. Um. And for myself, I would say um I think my favorite combination is just like Sojo said. Um. I like Don and um and Sloan's interaction. Because as I started to make my transition into being like a Don fan, um, it it was sort of like, I guess in the way that I said that Mackenzie and Will interact and they can kind of balance each other out and, and, you know, maybe she's the only person that he'll take shit from and everything like that. Like Don and Sloan together, I think, can challenge each other in ways that the other characters can't because they're both like really intelligent people. And, and both actually sort of socially awkward in, in certain ways. Um, I think Victoria's comment about um, Charlie and, and Sloan was actually great. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, you know, I guess maybe the dynamic between him being the boss and her being an employee and him being a lot older is maybe what I didn't notice about that. But it's actually a great um, thing that she said about those two together. And actually, if he was younger, he, he might be something kind of like Don. Um but I, I really like to see those two together. Um, it was funny as hell. Like there was a scene, like she had written a book, and and there was a um, a bid, and I guess the prize was to get an autographed copy. We saw this in the last episode of season two, and um, you know she she was all excited about somebody actually bidding on the book, <laughs> but there was a forged signature, so she was trying to figure out who the person was so that she could give them a real autograph on their copy. Well, come to find out, you know, it was actually Don who had been bidding on the book as like different people. And he won the book. I love that. Right. And when she found that out, she, she ran, I think she was in his office at the time Mm -hmm. and she ran from his office and, and was looking for him and she found him and she gave him a big hug and a kiss. And then she uh, signed a copy of the book and just like walked out of the room. She did it real smooth and everything. <laughs> and the funniest shit was was Don kind of looking like the look on his face. He was kind of surprised and everything, but he was kind of like you could tell he was like really digging it because you know pretty lady just kissed him and everything like that. And then like they were everybody's looking at Don like what the fuck was that? And he lets out the line, "What I have can't be taught." He said that shit so smooth, man. <laughs> He said it so smooth. He said it like a player. I was like, man, this dude is a trip, man. And when he said that, I was in here hollering. Like, I was laughing hard as shit when he said that, man. And I started clapping. I was like, yeah, Don, that's what's up. 
So those <laughs> those two together are definitely, I think, my favorite. Um, I do like Will and Mackenzie together. Um, I actually like Charlie in anybody. Somebody mentioned that they're like Neil in anybody. I like Charlie in anybody because, like I said earlier, Charlie is the boss, but he's like the kind of boss that you probably wouldn't mind working for because he seems like a cool guy and he will go to bat for you or whatever. And it also seems like he's the type of person that will kind of let you figure out your, your way. Like, you know, you hear about certain companies where their only their only goal or their only desire is for the, you to do the job. As long as you get the job done, whatever the job happens to be, how you go about it doesn't really matter. And Charlie kind of seems like that type of boss to me. Mm-hmm. So um, that's my list. Uh, the last couple of things before we get out of here was um, I had a question about how the show has affected or impacted your understanding or your appreciation for how news is presented to us uh, on a on a daily basis or whatever. Um, I'll start with Sojo and then we'll go around the, around to Sterling and Victoria. How has the show impacted uh, how you understand the way that the news is presented now? Well, I think that's the thing. It, I've always felt like there were three sides to all news stories. And so it was never up to me to just solely rely on one source of news. And just seeing all of the things unfold on the series, you kind of see that. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that I also like from the show, and this doesn't have anything to do with, well, maybe it does. The the emergence of Twitter and social media being a news source now. Right. Um, And I think that's huge because... You know, you're 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 getting your news, you're you're getting your your bleeps on that little screen they get from just average everyday people talking about things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool to see ha- take place in a newsroom scenario. Definitely, uh, Sterling. What is what is your answer for that question, sir? Uh, it'd be two events that happen. Um, the first one would be when they were at that party and Will got high, and yeah. it was the. Uh, murder of Osama bin Laden and he pieced together what was going to happen from the rocks tweet that night because yeah, I, just, yeah, yeah. I remember that and not even thinking about why he would tweet that out. You know what I mean? Like it was just something until later in the night when, you know, we all got word and then my boy from the Navy called me like hooting and hollering, like we finally got this motherfucker. Right. And the biggest thing is actually basically all of season two taught me a lot about chemical warfare and what sarin is definitely because mm-hmm. watching the unfolding in syria like i they didn't even have to say what happened but when they said like you know there's you know adults and kids dead in their homes and they're foaming from the nose i'm like them niggas you sarin mm-hmm. and like sure enough like a, a day later like yeah they use sarin i'm like oh shit like well <laughs> bombs over motherfucking baghdad i guess yes, we gotta sir. roll out yeah. like you know what I mean? Like, so it was different, like, whereas, you know, somebody really doesn't pay attention to chemical warfare. Like, the show basically let me know what exactly this was before, you know, obviously not on purpose, but let me know what it was, what it could do in a realistic setting. And then something real happened, like, evolved, like you know, around it. That was a crazy experience. Definitely. Um, Victoria, before I come to you, uh, since he mentioned Genoa, I actually have a clip about um, about that as a part of the show. So I want to play that really quickly, and we can talk about that, and then we'll get into to your your answer. Uh, Aaron, could you tell us what's Operation Genoa? Uh, I can tell you the beginning, but I won't tell you uh, at the end. Operation Genoa, which is the story that takes us through the entire season, is inspired by something that really happened at CNN in 1998, when they uh, reported 
on something called Tailwind, uh, uh, which was a report that alleged that the U.S. Army in 1970 in Laos used chemical weapons on about 100 uh, civilians. Genoa is roughly the same thing. Uh, uh, they've discovered, uh, and it takes several episodes for, for this to become real for them because it's so unbelievable the first time they hear it, they, they, they don't believe it. Uh, uh, they've discovered that uh, in an extraction, which is rescuing two hostages, uh, uh, two Marines taken hostage in uh, Afghanistan, uh, that the army may have used chemical weapons uh, on a village that had uh, civilians in it in order to free these hostages. And uh, they air the report, and then I can't tell you what happens after that. So, yeah, any uh, any reactions to that? No, not for me. Yeah, so that was that was sort of like the the big theme of of the second season of the show, where like he said, it was it was a big thing. It was actually sort of based on a real event, and uh, I think I might have mentioned earlier that they reported this stuff. Um, what they actually reported was that we used sarin gas in Genoa, but what they actually found out was that the person who made that report, the guy actually edited the. Uh, the video and audio clips they did an interview with with a military guy and he was talking about certain things and they were asking him questions trying to lead him into answering yes the united states used uh sarin gas but what he actually ended up saying was that you know if we use sarin gas or something to right. that effect and what this guy did was you know he he go, he went into the editing room and i remember tweeting out that night as as i was watching it i said we're about to see the power of editing you know, I, I haven't done anything to that level, but in, in the videos that I've edited over the years or whatever, I definitely have taken, you know, a part where somebody is saying something and maybe they messed up or they cursed or they, you know, something that wasn't useful to the clip and sort of chopped off one part, chopped off another, and then brought those two together to make what they said either totally, you know, different to a certain extent or to at least clean it up a little bit. And this guy ended up chopping up, well, if we had used sarin gas, to basically say we use sarin gas and that's what they reported and that's why i said earlier that you know there was some um major issues with the with this with the stuff so um victoria i want to go to you and and your answer to uh, how the show has impacted your understanding of things victoria um it hasn't can you hear me i got you i got can you hear me? yeah i have some feedback or something coming from someone else but i can okay. hear you though go ahead Okay. Yeah, it didn't really change anything or impact me in any way. Um, I kind of, it was just, it was more of an affirmation right. about certain things. Um, just simply because, uh, I, and I think, I think to a certain level, we all know that how the news picks and chooses um, what story they're going to air, what story they're going to talk about. Yeah. Still there? Um, it uh, the newsroom kind of gives almost an unrealistic idea. It is very much a utopia uh, of a newsroom. You know, I, they're trying to do goodwill and all this type of stuff. When in fact, we all know that's not always the case. Okay. We're, so we're, I, I I think it it gave me more than anything. Oh, what? No, I was going to say, I think you might have broken up for a second. I, I think I might have missed a part of what you said because there was like a sort of a long gap. Would you mind kind of just, you know, re-saying that again yeah. quickly? 
Yeah. No, I'm just basically saying that uh, the newsroom creates kind of a utopian feel of what news we really want news to be. Right. Unfortunately, we all know that that's not really what happens. And so um, it only really affirms certain things, and they only they do it on the basis of comparing themselves to MSNBC and Fox and CNN, right. kind of their own undertone, like this is what you really should be reporting versus what you actually are. And so, you know, they kind of, we see what you're doing and we're not going to do that. So I really do wish that there was, you know, something close to, you know, the newsroom in actuality. Um, so people can't really get the gist of what's going on, but yeah, so I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah, it does. It definitely does. Um, (laughs) uh, yeah, for me, you know, sort of, you know, piggybacking off of what the rest of you have said, like it, I guess it just sort of gives me and, and anyone else who watches it sort of an insider, an inside look at the things that, that we see on a daily basis. Um, you know the motivation behind it sometimes you know there yeah. were there were some issues um in the first season where yeah. they weren't really getting ratings and so mm-hmm. they they like i think the casey anthony story was was the 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 catalyst behind one of the, the things it was like you know do we just report it on a factual side or do we kind of go for a sensationalized version of the story and I think they, you know, because of the ratings and, and the need to stay competitive with the other networks, they ended up deciding to, um, you know, sort of go with a sensationalized version. So they had like, a, I guess, a friend of Casey Anthony sort of talking about her as as a person and, and their interaction and things like that. So um, I think the show just sort of gives you uh, a, a view that most people don't have when it comes to the, the political side of, of things and you know, all of the, the stuff that goes into the decision-making process before we even see things. Like, what stories will we will we cover? Like someone mentioned earlier, you know, just like how everybody kind of has to pitch the idea that they have and say, this is why I think we should talk about this tonight. Um, so, you know, just sort of gives you that view. And, and that's something that a lot of people aren't really privy to. Um, we got some feedback, a lot of feedback. Definitely. Um, that might be That might be Sterling again. I don't know. It's gone. It's gone now. It's gone now. So whatever you did, just you know, keep that tinfoil. I, I just slid, I just slid like literally like one foot to the left. <laughs> and that was before you said anything, but then everything cleared up. I yeah. thought it was so damn. Hey man, whatever works, man. Just keep that left leg up and that tinfoil mm-hmm. hat on. We're almost done. Uh, <laughs> I got two more things, and then we can go ahead and and start wrapping it up. The 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 second to last thing was you know any strengths or weaknesses that you all see with the show. And, you know, maybe it's something that you might be looking forward to um, in season three. Uh, start off with Sterling, Mr. Static Man. Um, for me, it's really the script writing and the minutia. That's really what gets me with the show. Like um, you were saying earlier with uh, Sloan and Don, when they were, you know, bidding on the book. Right. When, I don't know if you peeped this, but the way, like, she figured out that it was him was because she saw a movie poster Right. of his favorite yes. movie in there and yep. like in the first five minutes of that episode he's actually talking about how much he loves that movie yeah and mm-hmm. they you know they rattle off the name of the bitters and the name of the bitters are obviously the people that were in the movie so that was you know like i i love when they don't even like let you like they don't really throw it in your face like this is how she found out it was just kind of like a quick glance like oh hold up right like i you know when they when they appreciate that maybe we're not dumb 
when we watch the show. Definitely. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, like um, with that scene, um, it's sort of like the feeling that I got when I was watching that was that as she was piecing it all together, I was piecing it all together mm-hmm. too. The way that they shot it and the way that it was edited, and as a person that has you know shot a lot of video and edited a lot of stuff, I can appreciate that. Um, the way that it was put together, it was like everybody sort of had the same experience that Sloan had uh, in that moment. So that was definitely a, a great thing. Victoria, um, what about you? Any strengths, weaknesses, or, or anything that you see? Um, I think... Um one of the issues I see with a lot of shows like this, well, one of the strengths of this show is you do not have to watch every episode to get what's going on. Um, And I liken it to something like Law & Order, where although there are running themes within the show, you don't have to have watched season one to really get everything that's kind of going on. There are some things that you will miss, of course. Right. But it's very quick, you know, and it's very easy to kind of get into the storyline. Because there's something new every episode. Definitely. So I really do think it's a really good strength, and um, that really comes from really great writing. Definitely does, yeah. Uh, Sojo? Um, I like... Uh, I like one the... of the weakest uh, that... Well, damn. Go ahead, V. <laughs> <laughs> no, I stopped talking like a couple of seconds ago, I guess. I'm it's a little bit back. Okay. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead and finish your your thing with the weaknesses. Oh, I was just saying. I think the weaknesses is, is gonna is gonna come in season three to not only keep up with the stories that are going on, um, because just like in the show, they have to pick what stories they're gonna talk about. In writing the show, they're gonna have to pick what stories to talk about because so much has happened. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's gonna be very, um. Uh, not difficult, but it's going to be very interesting to see not only what storylines they choose, but how they're going to run them along with the kind of interconnected relationship love thing that's going on within the office. That's it. (laughs) Okay, are you done now for sure? Uh, A nigga. (laughs) (laughs) See, see why I got to be all that? Why I got to be all that? Dang. All right. So, now we will go to you now that the floor is completely yours. Go ahead. (laughs) You know what I'm looking forward to? I'm looking forward to whatever drama Will and Mackenzie are going to have because they can't stay together happily. So, whatever whatever bombshell they throw their way, I'm looking forward to that. And um, the the weaknesses, uh, I don't... I I mean, you don't have to have any. If If you don't have any, then, you know... Yeah, I think one of the strengths is that it's so fast-paced that you have to go back and look at it again. And I think, like Victoria said, you don't have to see every episode to know what's going on. But it's cool that when you, if you watch it again, you can catch something different. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one of the strengths, I think. Yeah, and, and, you know, just to answer it for myself, I I think, you know, strengths are the fact that it's very well-paced. We heard Sorkin say earlier that, you know, he sort of, tries to look at everything that's going on and, and decide what um, what he wants to cover. Um, I think in one of the clips that I played earlier, he also mentioned that, you know, he's not trying to tell actual news people what to do or how they should do their job because he doesn't have the experience to do that. But he's just kind of trying to, if he were to create 
this situation, you know, what would he do? What would, you know, so I, I like the fact that I get a chance to see a person's vision come to light. Um, I really like the writing. Um, it can be sort of heavy on dialogue at times, but I mean, we're dealing with news. So, you know, that makes sense. Um, like I said, um, in my previous answer, I really like the fact that it, it gives you a chance to see the decision making process and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so I really enjoy the show. Um, it's, it's a great thing to watch. I'm glad I gave it a, a second look because like i said that first time i was like shit i don't know about this joint right here man it's, you know it's i don't know what the fuck is going on these people are just talking a bunch they were just saying a bunch of words to me um uh and the last thing that i wanted to to ask you all before we we finish up is um you know would you recommend the show i i, I think i know the answer to that but you know i'll let you all speak for yourselves you know would you recommend the newsroom to someone who hasn't watched it before of course, and I specifically recommend that you watch episode two of season one. I will watch it. I, I, I will watch it. Listen, Sojo, I will watch episode two, and I will find myself some moonshine. <laughs> I will find some moonshine to watch. There you go. While or I watch Cold it. 45. Or some Colt 45. <laughs> Sterling, Victoria, what are, what are your answers for that? I would... You know, I wouldn't... Um, I wouldn't recommend this show for everyone. Okay. Um, there are particular people who I'd, um, I'd, uh, I recommend it just because um, kind of like you, you were kind of iffy about it in right. the beginning. Um, I think it takes, everybody's not going to enjoy a show like this. Mm. So um, I would recommend it just not to everybody. Well, who, who are the people that maybe you wouldn't recommend it to? Do you want me their ad names or No, no, no. <laughs> no. No. I mean <laughs> we don't want to call anybody out, but I mean just like, you know, what is it about maybe these people that you would say I this person wouldn't like this for you know, what are the reasons for it? Not necessarily their they, names. They lack the intellectual capacity to understand it. So you, you don't want to recommend it to dumbasses is what you're saying. That's what you Those are your words, not mine. Okay, yeah. So idiots don't watch this show, but smart people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anybody that's smart watches this show. I'm just saying it's it's smart enough where you have to have if it's it's not like the game or something where you don't have to have any right type of uh, brain cells working to understand that show. Right. Um, I just think it's 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 a different type of show and it warrants a different type of audience. That yeah, that's a great point. That's definitely a great point. Um, Sterling, what about you? Yeah, I'll be, I'll be about the same way. Like I. I would have to know what kind of shows you like yeah. before mm -hmm. I recommend it because it's a very cerebral show. And yeah. I watch a gamut of shit. Like, I will watch Newsroom the same night I watch Love and Hip Hop Atlanta and not even blink twice. <laughs> so, no doubt. Yeah, he will. If, if you follow him on Twitter, then yeah. you know that. Oh, that is hilarious. Yeah, so I, like, you know, if that's your, if you, if you only want ratchet shit, don't fuck with Newsroom. It might hurt your head. When, you know, like the next scene, it's like a whole different event that they somehow link to the previous event, but only in one sentence. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're into that, if you like stuff like the West Wing, stuff that's strong with character development, then, yeah, I would recommend it. But not to everybody, no. Cool. Yeah, if you don't if you don't keep up with current events or news, you know, period, you can't. Yeah, you can't relate at all. Yeah, yeah. So, and, yeah. And like we said earlier, there's so many ways now that you can get information. So, it, you know, whether you watch the nightly news 
or even if you, you know, just sort of keep up, you know, if you follow certain people on Twitter or whatever, like if you're not really aware of what's going on, like there's sometimes, you know, I can admit I don't really watch the news as much as I could or should or even that as much as I have in the past at times. But I'm pretty well aware of what's going on. Um, sometimes through my Twitter timeline, sometimes I, I can, you know, kind of keep up with what's going on. And if I don't know, I just, I'll just ask like, yo, what are y'all talking about? And somebody will be able to tell me, you know, either that or Facebook or something like that. But yeah, if you're not really aware of what's going on, then or if the only news the news that you're interested in is celebrity news, like if you only watch CNN to right. see the little blurb on the end of what Beyonce and Jay Z are doing, yeah, then you're not gonna like the show. Yeah, I, I but think everybody needs to know what Blue Ivy's doing though. Like, <laughs> that's neat. You are right. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm really Fair offended the that they didn't talk about it more in Newsroom season two. Right. Well, well, see, but see, that's the thing. See, that's the thing, though, Sterling. I don't think she was alive at the time. Season three. So season like, three, nobody dog. Care, nobody yeah. care about that bum ass royal baby. Right. Yeah, we don't. We, get... we over here for blue eyes. Listen, nigga. That day. that that baby isn't even American, man. That baby, that royal exactly. baby. But blue ivy, her motherfucking mother is from Houston. <laughs> I know Victoria likes that. You know what I'm saying. And, and her father's from Brooklyn. You don't get more American than that. That nigga was born in Trenton. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, he was? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's born Jersey. He oh, man. He Brooklyn when he was young. So, Jersey. Like, you know, he was raised there. Shout out to Jersey, man. I'm mm-hmm. from Connecticut originally, even though I'm not there anymore. So, yeah, Tri-State definitely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the last thing that I wanted to do was 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 to thank you all for, for being a part of this, man. I, I definitely have enjoyed this conversation. And I thank you all for being a part of it. Um, I want to give you all the opportunity to, you know, plug anything that you got, any, you know, your Twitter handle, your your podcast, whatever it is that you want people to check out. You know, go ahead and do that. We'll start with V. We'll go to Sterling and we'll end with Sojo and then I'll, I'll wrap it up. Okay. Uh, well, I'm on Twitter at Sojo Sterling. Um, you can follow, not follow. I don't, I don't, I don't really care. Spell, spell that out for you, though, because yours is V-E-E, isn't it right? Yes, it's S-P-I-K-E-V-E-E-88. And I followed you, so, uh, who did I follow? I just followed somebody. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, Sojo, uh, okay. yeah, and, uh, yeah, so if y'all, you know, uh, Leonard, um, Add everybody so I can follow them. Oh, definitely. And, yeah, I will. Uh, I put it in yeah, the notes. I don't have anything else going on. All right, cool. Sterling. <laughs> uh, follow me on Twitter, the Wound God, T H E W O U N D G O D. Oh my God, that's you. Yeah. I thought it was just at Wound. Oh. Okay. No, now I'm thinking about making it just at Wound God, but I'm really trying to just get my name Sterling. But this little bitch ass nigga won't come off that Twitter handle. Come off that Twitter, son. Come off <laughs> that like, Twitter, son. I want to be able to get verified so I can make Twitter give me that Twitter handle. Word. We're trying to get verified, too. But, yeah, I host a podcast two times a month, or co-host a podcast called Gamers United, where we talk about video games, tech, and all-around nerd shit. And if you want to, you know, keep up on your tech news, anything like that, follow that Twitter. It's GatsPod, G-A-T-S-P-O-D. That's what's up. So, Joe. Um, my Twitter handle is at S-O-J-O-X-O-X-O. That's Sojo-X-O-X-O. Um, and I co-host a podcast, um, Whiskey Wine and Moonshine. We uh, we hang out live on G+. Um, every Tuesday at 8 o'clock, if anybody wants to follow me on Google+. And that's it. 
I'm the moonshine of Whiskey Wine. She's and moonshine. the moonshine, and I, <laughs> I don't want to say it. I haven't checked out Sterling's show yet. I got to do that. Um, but I, I've been um, checking out Whiskey Wine and Moonshine um, probably the last couple weeks, man. I just I happened to be in the Black Guy Who Tips um, chat room and I saw Soulj talking to somebody in there and mentioned that she had a show. So I checked it out. Yo, this show is cool as hell, man. Like, y'all need to check them out, man. It's her, Lady Buddha, and Miss Smart. And those three ladies, man, are a damn trip, man, for real. Like, <laughs> like they, they're all, you know, very intelligent ladies. They have great perspective, um, and they're, they're funny or whatever. So y'all definitely check that out, man. And um, for myself, you know, I'm Leonard, man, at L Brothers Media on Twitter. I also have at LB underscore daily. That's like a, you know, kind of like a little daily word type of thing. I don't necessarily do it daily anymore, but, you know, that's something you can get sort of like a, a positive message from um, when I sort of feel the inspiration to do that. And then now the Look and Listen podcast has a joint um, on Twitter, which is at Look Listen Pod. Um, and the official hashtag for this show is uh, LLBC Pod. So, you know, you can check me out on those things. And I also have um, LBrothersMedia.com. And you can also check me out. Um, I have an L Brothers Media Facebook page. So you can like that and see some of the updates and things that are, um, you know, posted on there. So, you know, that's pretty much it, man. Once again, thank all of you for being a part of this. Um, you know, I had a great time talking to you. I hope you all enjoyed it as well. And, um, yes. you know, we'll have to, you know, put together another one, maybe another newsroom one or Game of Thrones or something like that. You know, there's, you know, an endless amount of possibilities that we could do with this. So, you know, that's pretty much it. I don't know if anybody else has anything else to say, but, you know, I'm pretty much done. So, you know, that's it. I'm good. <laughs> All right. Stop, stop taking African kids and making them bulletproof vests. Yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Stop killing black kids. World. We we have value, damn it. <laughs> anyway, all right, y'all. That's it, man. Look and listen, podcast. We out of here. Giving you your introduction. This be the one oh one. LLBC. LLBC. Giving you your introduction. This be the 101.